today on Sandy Rios 24-7. We're going to be talking about spies. We're going to be talking about intelligence agents as we discuss the nation's number one seller, Big Intel. How the CIA and the FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. We'll talk with the author, Mike Waller, and uh, all kidding aside... It's actually very serious. We're going to talk today. We talked yesterday with Mike about how these agencies started. Today we're going to talk about how we got to the point today where these agencies have turned on us, the CIA, the FBI, surveillance of our private information, the loss of our freedoms, uh, SWAT teams at our doors. How did we get here? We're going to talk about Christopher Ray, and we're going to talk about James Comey and the leadership of the FBI. It's pretty fascinating. And also, we're going to be talking about just the, the march of communism through these agencies, but not by the name communism, by this thing called diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, critical theory. All of this is part of the Marxist umbrella. And we're going to talk to Mike Waller about that in just a second. But first, this is Sanctity of Life Month, and we honor now the over 65 million babies whose lives have been tragically ended through abortion since Roe. You know, since Roe was overturned, babies' lives are even at greater risk. It's amazing to me, but it's true. You see, the abortion pill accounts for over 50% of all abortions, making this tragedy available to women 24-7. But in the midst of this darkness, there really is a light that shines. Preborn has rescued over 80,000 babies from abortion, and every day they rescue 200 babies. When a woman considering abortion hears her baby's heartbeat and sees her precious baby on ultrasound, her baby's chance at life is doubled. Preborn shares free heartbeats and God's love for mother and child as they need our help. For just $28, the cost of one dinner, you can sponsor an ultrasound to introduce a mother to her baby for the very first time. And by the way, 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies. Will you help us? Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. Uh, Well, if you want to call me, you can do that at 662-821-2040. Just leave a message. And uh, we will be doing a show where we play some of your messages and comment on them. So we do listen to them. And so I hope you'll call us at 662-821-2040. You can go to sandy at AFR.net or you can use that address to email me, sandy at AFR.net. You can find us on any podcast platform. You can follow me on Twitter at at Sandy Rios Tweet. You can find us on Facebook at Sandy Rios 24-7. And you can also go to our website, sandyrios.com. Well, for now, sit back and really take in this really important information on the book that Mike Waller has written called Big Intel, How the CIA and the FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains by J. Michael Waller on today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. 
Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. When I look at the facts we gathered here, as I said, I see evidence of great carelessness. But I do not see evidence that is sufficient to establish that Secretary Clinton or those with whom she was corresponding both talked about classified information on email and knew when they did it, they were doing something that was against the law. So given that assessment of the facts, my understanding of the law, my conclusion was and remains, no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case. No reasonable prosecutor would bring the second case in 100 years focused on gross negligence. And so I know that's been a source of some confusion for folks. That's just the way it is. I know the Department of Justice. I know no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case. I know a lot of my former friends are out there saying they would. I wonder where they were the last 40 years, because I'd like to see the cases they brought on gross negligence. Nobody would. Nobody did. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That is a voice familiar to most of us. That's the former director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, James Comey. Uh, when commenting on when he decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton for her malfeasance regarding her emails, her lies, her destroying her laptop so that people couldn't uh, explore what she had done and what had been leaked, et cetera, et cetera. No reasonable prosecutor would bring charges on Hillary Clinton, said James Comey. Well, we are going to get back to that in a second because this is our second day with Mike Waller. Mike has written a book called Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. And if you didn't join us yesterday, yesterday we talked about the history of the CIA and the history of the FBI. It was great stuff, and I hope you'll go back and listen to it. Uh, We talked about the infiltration of communism and how that all started uh, Mike, by the way, is a senior analyst for the strategy for strategy at the Center for Security Policy and the president of Georgetown Research. Uh, he knows uh, so much about national security. He's been writing. He's an expert on the the Cold War, on Russia, and communism. He's written um, things that people study on that. And so, his work has appeared in the New York Post, the Washington Times, the Washington Examiner, the Federalist, the Wall Street Journal, and on and on it goes. He's got wonderful. Uh, just to give you an idea of the, uh, the the import that Mike's work has, Tucker Carlson has written a foreword, so is uh, Kurt Schlichter, who is well-known to all of us, in uh, certainly in national security. Peter Schweitzer, great comments. Stephen Friend, the FBI uh, informant, who has FBI whistleblower, who's been a guest of ours, uh, and Sam Faddis, many, many more. Just some stalwarts in the conservative uh, intelligence uh, world who is who are trying to right the ship right now. So this book again, Big Intel: How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains, has borne fruit. The stories here have borne fruit in the times in which we live, as we see our intelligence off um, uh, agencies turning against the people now, turning against us. It's shocking, but it's actually happening. And so, Micah, with that. Uh, thank you for joining us again for this second edition. I so appreciate it. But I want you to tell us about James Comey because um, his his ties to what we were talking about in the first edition, the first conversation, are very interesting to communism. Can you explain? 
Yeah, James Comey was um, was uh, Obama's pick as FBI director, and the Obama team really screened their appointees with a microscope. Uh, Obama had an agenda to to you know, radically transform the country, but he also did not want to look radical um, at, from the national security area. And so Comey was an ideal pick because as he was a Republican, but he he was raised philosophically by Obama's favorite philosopher, who was a, a, a German socialist called Reinhold Niebuhr. And Niebuhr was, um, was, was very influential back in the 50s. This was before Comey was even born. But Comey not only did his, his uh, college work uh, about, um, on Niebuhr, but his, his Twitter handle and his other social media handles were Reinhold Niebuhr. That was his Twitter handle, and then his um, his uh, his his book that he wrote, his memoir, uh, began with Reinhold Niebuhr. So Niebuhr has been this philosopher throughout Comey's entire adult life. He's devoted himself to, and part of that was the the transformation of our country, the cultural transformation of our country. So you bring in a man like that to head the FBI. You don't have a lawman. You don't have someone fighting against foreign subversion. You have someone who is on a, a, a political and cultural, secular jihad to transform America. So he was an ideal part of the Obama team. He wanted to see Hillary Clinton elected as president. There's no way he would be the only man to stop Hillary from being elected if he proceeded ahead with uh, with the uh, you know recommending that the Justice Department book her for all the crimes she committed. So that clip you, know, you had was just perfect. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, though, um, let's go back one director, because Robert Mueller was appointed by Bush. My husband ser- served under Bob Mueller, the FBI director. Uh, we had a, very, a lot of concerns, but I want to know what your, your thoughts, because he seemed to be trying, to me, he seemed to be trying to straddle the fence. It seems like, and you're going to make this point later, I think, he was all about corporate. He had corporate mindset, which had already been infected. But I should be quiet and let you tell me. What do we know about Mueller and why he was able to be bent the way he was bent? Well, Robert Mueller was a good man. He was a Marine, combat vet, uh, lawyer, very dignified, uh, thoughtful, uh, patriotic person. It's just there were some things that he didn't understand. He didn't understand how subversion worked. And we had our first interaction with him when he, after 9-11, imagine, you're, you're, you're named FBI director, and then the following week, 9-11 happens. Yeah. And yep. President Bush looks at you and says, I want you to make sure no terrorist ever harms an American in our country again. And he, Mueller was like, wow, I, I had no idea this is a big job. Okay, fine. But he, this was just a big surprise for him. So then came the whole Bush plan to centralize the intelligence community the way it never had been before, because the whole idea of having all these different agencies all answering to other different agencies meant that they could never coalesce and be used against the American public in a, in a huge systematic way. Some of them did, of course, but they could never sort of take over the government. So, so Bush's idea after 9-11 was we're going to we're going to put them all together because they're not sharing data, and had they been sharing data before 9-11, we might have been able to detect and stop the attack. So it made sense. 
in an emergency situation like that. But even even Bush and Congress, when they passed the Patriot Act, they knew this is really dangerous to our country, so we're going to have a sunset clause where this will expire after a few years. But then a whole industrial complex develops around this and and, and contracting opportunities and, and, you know, other terrorist scares and so forth. So we, they just made, you know, everything was security, security, security. And the Department of Homeland Security comes up. But then you had the whole 17-agency intelligence community centralized under the office of the Director of National Intelligence. Well, what happened then? So FBI Director Mueller, of course, was part of this and, and, and creating a lot more powers for the FBI. And then a guy like Obama comes in to succeed Bush. So Bush had inadvertently teed everything up so that somebody like Obama could come in and now manipulate those agencies from the top down and politicize everything. Well, it's interesting to hear that. He liked Mueller so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he yeah, but Mueller he... so much. So Mueller had it was it had a ten year term. So Congress limited the FBI director's term to ten years because they didn't want another J. Edgar Hoover running it for forty eight. Obama liked what Mueller was doing so much that when Mueller's ten year term was expiring, he asked Congress to extend the term for another two years. So Mueller was that transitional figure. By this time, though, he was suffering from cognitive decline, and so people were able to run circles around him and get a lot of things done in his name. Um, my my friend, uh, FBI friend John Guandolo, was was an FBI agent. Then he was setting up a counter jihad program, and 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 I was brought in to be part of that counter jihad program. Well, within a year, that was shut down within the FBI because the jihadists were feeling offended by it. Oh, I remember that well. I remember that well, Mike. I remember when uh, they stopped teaching uh, the trainees in uh, Quantico about what uh, Islam Islamist was, what the Quran taught. They they created it. Now we have, I guess, a 20-year generation of FBI agents who actually know nothing about the dangers of Islam. They're not trained. They're not taught that. Uh, and that was, that was frightening. That's frightening. It still is frightening. Now the dangers are even greater because they're worldwide. But let's talk. Do you think, uh, Mike, do you think that the turning point for the Federal Bureau was with Comey? Is that when the worm actually turned? Well, it started turning under Mueller, but it was still easily correctable. It, it, it really turned under Comey because Comey had his political agenda of his own. Where he, he couldn't do anything rogue. He had to have support from the attorney general for this. Well, who is the attorney general? Eric Holder. <laughs> Eric Holder, who went to Columbia University, you know, who was part of a, a supporter of the Black Panther you know, urban terrorist campaign when he when he was at when he was in college, he took over a dean's office and held the dean hostage. He, he's he's completely open about this even today, so he's not trying to hide it. He comes in as attorney general, and of course, he's one of these revolutionaries with Obama. So that's when it all began under Comey uh, and Peter Strzok and and McCabe and so forth. But it really took place under the current uh, FBI director Chris Ray. Wow. Can we hold that thought? Because I, I want to talk about that. But I want to make a point about the Comey uh, leadership just for a second. I want to pull something that you wrote in the introduction of your book, because this is pretty gripping. Uh, you say, he had the look of a madman as he sat in the heavy wood and leather chair. His contorted face shifted from side to side and up and down as if disembodied from the neck. Beady eyes never broke their stare into the camera lens, 
a creepy, tight-lipped grin sneered contempt. In one short video, he exuded the disturbed, sadistic mania of a nightmarish bad clown. He was the FBI's chief of counterintelligence, America's top spy hunter. At least that was his position, and his name was Peter Strzok. Oh, wow, Mike, I will never forget that myself. I thought that was such a great description, and I think um, the Comey term, before we go on to the current nightmare, uh, was the one that really you know, brought in the whole Russian collusion and really brought about the uh, destruction of Donald Trump's presidency. So we just have to say something about that. Do you know anything about Peter Strzok's past and uh, why he was, is, was the way he is? Anything about him? Well, Strzok himself was, he came up through the FBI hunting spies. And this is really a core function of the FBI, which is why when people say just abolish the FBI, you know, there's a lot to it because we need we need some agency to fight foreign spies. It's just the thing is, Strzok's counterintelligence on, on hunting Russian spies was very poor. And the, the there had been uh, uncovering, they un, there was uncovered a network of, of 10 deep cover illegal Russian spies, so they were living lives as Americans. In fact, that TV show, The Americans, was modeled after that spy network. But instead of running that spy operation for a long term to go back to then use it to disinform Putin's people, you know, this is what a real strategic counterintelligence person would do. You turn the spies back against their masters, which easily could have been done. They had targeted Hillary Clinton to get into her inner circle, and that's when it was shut down, the whole operation. And this was it's, under Peter Strzok. So you've got to ask, why did they shut this down and, mm-hmm. and, and, so, and, and expose everything? This, was, this took agents you know, years and years and years of work. It was a 10-year operation. It was called Operation Ghost Stories. And they just threw it away. And then, you know, got in a real hurry to spirit the spies back to Moscow rather than say, we're going to hold these people uh, and we're going to make some deal with Putin to get to get our way on something. And you can hold them for years if you want to. No, they held them for a matter of days before Hillary engineered the, their return back to Moscow. So this is this is Peter Strzok. So his, the only real counterintelligence operation that anybody knows of, the largest and most influential one the FBI had at the time, was, you know the name, right? It, it was it was the operation to frame Donald Trump oh. falsely as a <laughs> oh, that Russian one. agent. Crossfire yeah. hurricane. Crossfire hurricane. Yeah. Yes, and, and that, that was, was engineered by... It was run all by counterintelligence people. So Comey was counterintelligence. His guy, the guy above him, McCabe, had come up through counterintelligence. So you have the spy hunters. What were they doing? They were using a left-wing British foreign former spy... Christopher Steele, and a Russian who the FBI suspected was a Putin agent in the first place, providing the false stuff to set up Trump to look like a Russian agent. You know, Mike, it just seems to me like a perfect merger of ideology, like uh, democratic loyalty, probably, to party for some of them, uh, ideology hating, you know, the right so much, uh, and sort of a willful blindness to the darker parts of this, and some that were, uh, you know, happy to cheerlead uh, the uh, because of the destruction of the United States. Some that were willful and knowledgeable, like you talk about being duped. 
Some of them were probably duped into this by their blindness politically. But uh, the, the result was the same. It doesn't matter what their motive was. Well, let's get to Chris Ray because I'm really curious to know what you have to say about the, the current director of the FBI, Christopher Ray, because we're furious with him. Most Americans are furious with what he's allowing under his watch. You know, the arrest of Catholic pro-life leaders, uh, SWAT teams sit in the middle of the night to just ordinary citizens, former policemen, former you know military people who went to the Capitol on January the 6th uh, to express their views and to exercise their freedom and actually exercise democracy. Last time I looked at the definition. And so who is this Chris Ray? What do we know about him? Well, Chris Ray uh, was a, a millionaire lawyer from D.C., part of the D.C. legal industry that's that's called the swamp. He uh, he was a Republican, and he served under the uh, George W. Bush administration. And uh, Chris Christie is the one who convinced Donald Trump that he would be a really great FBI director. <laughs> he seems okay. to be more of just a weak, weak, weak leader and not an ideologue. But he's allowed himself to be controlled by the ideologues who run the the management and the the nervous system of the FBI. So when Mueller set up, you know, re- reorganized the FBI, he created more than sixty new top management positions at headquarters. Sixty, sixty three. So this meant that that if you're an FBI careerist, your big pinnacle of your career for for just those who are careerist oriented and not mission oriented is to serve at headquarters in a in a senior executive service government position and and then that'll set you up for life with not only a really nice pension and title but but you'll be on corporate boards or set up your own contracting company or whatever else. So it's a big deal for the swampy types of people. So so they were running the show. These were people who were brought in now under Obama to to run the FBI. Not political appointees, but they were they were selected based on their philosophical outlook. And uh, so they were running the show when Ray came in. And Ray never stood up to them. And not only that, he made it worse. Chris Ray created um, nine positions to promote diversity in the FBI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it was not simply to you know make the FBI look more like America or whatever other you need real diversity in a place like the FBI because you're working in inner cities. You're working against gangs. You're working with every single imaginable aspect of American life and culture. So you need FBI agents who, who can talk the talk and who maybe have even come up through those types of upbringings or backgrounds. You need that stuff and with linguistic and, and capabilities and who can blend in and who can persuade juries. You need all that stuff. But that's based on what talents and assets they bring to the FBI. That's not diversity for diversity's sake. So diversity for diversity's sake is, is the cultural Marxism of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this is what Chris Ray brought in, that, that Comey brought in beforehand. Obama had a whole executive order dictating this across the entire government. The FBI was one of the last holdouts. And, uh, but Ray brought it in with a vengeance. So he created all these diversity positions and then had a really uh, – it was just like the oh, when the Soviets took over, when, when communists would take over a country, they would indoctrinate 
what's left of the armed forces. They were indoctrinated the police and the security services. Well, you had this sort of rainbow indoctrination going on under Chris Ray's aggressive, uh, you know, umbrella yeah. uh, to to impose this on every last person in the bureau. And then, of course, and that, what that does is that provides shelter to the crazies who were rec- recruited in from below. So if you look at the FBI, you know, at FBI jobs, if you look at it on Twitter, X, they're promoting all of this stuff. They want crazy people in the bureau, um, not because they bring assets to the bureau because they might think differently, but because they're part of the rainbow uh, and, and DEI agenda. Yeah. So well, now let me... you have it from the top and below, and the people in the middle are sandwiched out. And as you know, uh, so many of them are checking out early because they can't stand it anymore. And and you can't be a whistleblower because they'll destroy your career, as we've seen with with uh, with uh, Steve Friend and yes. Kyle Serafin and, and several others. So yeah, the bureau is what the bureau is now. Well, now let me let me go back because this is the second part, and people might not have uh, remember if they hadn't heard the first part of our conversation that this is related to communism. Communism in Russia and in China, well, it, it all, always takes an oppressor and oppress, oppressor and the oppressed. And in this case, uh, it's not about economics, although it is. They want to destroy capitalism, but they're using a cultural Marxism, which is creating these groups of people to turn against each other and become the oppressed. So it's diversity Equity and inclusion is the is the um, the method. Um, help me with the words here, Mike. This is the 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 vehicle that they're riding on uh, to do the same thing that they did in Russia, turning uh, the peasants against the the bourgeois. So, um, can you help explain that better, please? Well, yeah. They, what they've done is, you know, the job of the FBI is to enforce federal laws, to investigate crimes to perform certain national security functions, and to hunt spies. It, it is not to serve as agents of change to be a, 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 a vanguard of social revolution in this country. But that's what the FBI leadership under Comey and Ray has done. It has, it has become a movement for social change. And so come up with this fake narrative of white supremacists is the number one threat to the country, it just isn't. It isn't true. It's a lie. And and you've talked to Steve Friend on your show, and I'm sure he might have told you how he was taken off uh, child trafficking cases so that he could do misdemeanor arrests of people who were at the Capitol on January 6th. Yes, yes he did. Yes, he did. We're, we're not going after... We're not going after enemy spies. We're not going after... Now you've got Hamas networks across the United States that have surfaced since October 7th. You know, it's not just... Palestine protest. This is pro-Hamas protest in response to Hamas's call for global solidarity after their terrorist attacks in Israel on October 7th. And it was American hostages who the, the president and the, and the U.S. leadership seldom talks about. There are still American hostages that Hamas is holding in Israel. You know, uh, you know what's now, interesting? They cannot give Congress a brief on these jihadists. No, no, they, they just they are distracted by things that don't matter. And this reminds me of what you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, that the the Russian communists uh, wanted to decay Germany from within by, you know, all of these kinds of things that worked in their culture to confuse and separate and destroy. And uh, and and you said that um, Stalin, I believe Stalin or Lenin, wanted the war to be over so they could 
turn this stuff on their own people. They weren't finished in Russia. Uh, and then uh, Germany actually uh, stepped up to do the same thing in Germany and kind of took their place. But it is the method. It is the method that communists use. It's a destruction of history, destruction of anything that is meaningful that you identify with, destruction of your family, destruction of your organizations, even destruction of NFL football, uh, so that there's no focal point other than the powers that be. Um, and I think that's what we certainly see happening. So, Mike, uh, I guess the, the last question is, what is there any way, this is so deep and it's frightening, how can we turn this around? Is there a way? There's still a way. In, in yesterday's show, you started out with, with Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, saying that, that if you go after the intelligence services, they have six ways from Sunday to go after you, saying that the, 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 any political, any elected political leader, including the President of the United States, is hostage to the intelligence community and will be done in by their own intelligence services if they try to reform them. He's literally admitting that the democratically elected leaders of our country do not control the CIA and the FBI, but they're a state within a state. This is really dangerous, sick talk. And, and he, Schumer wasn't warning about it as a danger to democracy. He was basically telling Trump back in, in his presidency to stay, to leave them alone. But you know what? Schumer was right, because, because when, when, when Trump was even just talking about making these changes, they went after him. He never even made the change. FBI. He didn't politicize the CIA. He basically was um, uh, let the CIA run itself, and and he he changed the top leaders of the FBI, but but let the FBI run itself with a with a weak um, leader like Comey running it. So so this is a real danger. Now I think Trump seems to have learned his lesson the hard way, which is which is good, because now uh, people realize that the FBI. It's just a brand, and like any brand, it gets old. And if that brand is no longer good for you and is no longer doing its job and is not the quality that it, that it used to be, it's time to retire that brand and start fresh. So we need counterintelligence. We need you know fighting interstate crime. We need so many other uh, things that the FBI does. But there are other agencies that already do a lot of that stuff. So there's no reason for it to all be in a centralized place like the FBI. So if you take the criminal investigative part of the Bureau and just transfer it to the U.S. Marshals, they have perfect, almost scandal-free since George Washington created them. See, and they're not, they haven't gone as woke as the others yet. So you take the, the other divisions of the FBI and you transfer them elsewhere. It's true. Now you're left with nothing but, but uh, human resources unit of the FBI. So just abolish all of that. But don't disrupt the functions that we have. But in, in, there are ways to get rid of a lot of the most toxic personnel. You can't really fire them, but you can abolish their positions. Or you can transfer them to the Illusion Islands or someplace, and if they don't like it, they can quit. And so, so there, there are ways to do this. It just takes leadership and an action plan to do it. So Heritage Foundation has a plan. Um, America First Policy Institute has a plan. Um, I've got a plan in my book. I've talked to people from both of those organizations, and we don't all agree on everything, but we agree on a basic outline. So what we want to do is have a plan already put together with the people to implement by the time the next president is in office. That's the first thing. Similar with CIA. CIA is just a big, bloated bureaucracy with a cool name brand because it's done really neat stuff and it captures people's imagination. But it's just a bureaucracy. 
So we had a you know, heroic intelligence service before the Office of Strategic Services, and the war was over. Uh, it, it was riddled with communists. It was shut down, and then something new was created. You can do something like that with the CIA without turning the lights off, keeping those functions, but having a separate uh, service to collect and analyze intelligence to inform the president and his his designees, and a separate one to run covert operations that's very, very small and very, wow. very uh, focused. And, wow, and that's... we can still have a real, first-rate national security without having it harming the American public. You know, you give me hope, honestly, Mike, and I know you're working on this personally, so uh, I just want people to know that. You're an American treasure, and uh, you've already made—you've you've molded people's minds in a good way. Uh, you've uh, given us the good kind of propaganda, the kind that's actually true. Tucker Carlson says about this book, what if you combine the dark, anti-human politics of the academic left with the unfettered power and impenetrable secrecy of the national security state? You'd have pretty much what we have now. Mike Waller explains how we got there. And he's talking about big intel, how the CIA and the FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. Uh, That's been our discussion today. You can get this book anywhere. Books are sold And I so encourage you to do that, to share it with your friends and your family, because this is the history and the present of what's happening in our intelligence agencies. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. During the Sanctity of Life Month, I'm just so happy that Preborn is our sponsor, that we can partner with them, that you can partner with me. It's a beautiful thing, really, to save so many babies' lives, really save them, not theoretically, but really and truly save them by providing ultrasound for women to see their babies and make a different choice. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of, and I think you feel that way or you would not have helped so generously during our first year together. This is our second year together now. So all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. And by the way, if you have the means... Would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a bigger way? Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 babies. To donate, all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Last year, you might recall, sir, our exchange regarding the FBI's involvement on January 6th and prior. I'm happy to jog your memory to quote, according to the record, I ask you, did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol on January 6th prior to the doors being opened? You responded, I quote, again, I have to be very careful of what I say. To which I said, it should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol on January 6th. A year has passed. We sit here again a year later. We, the people, still do not have a definitive answer from you or anyone else in the Biden administration regarding the FBI presence and participation in the months leading up to the November election and in the weeks and days prior to January 6th and on January 6th here in D.C. We can't get a straight answer 
it, although we have a tremendous amount of evidence harvested and reviewed over the course of the last year, which you will see in September, Stephen D'Artano, formerly in charge of the FBI's field office in Washington, D.C., testified to the House Judiciary Committee that he was aware the FBI informants would attend the Stop the Steal rally thrown on January 6th. You confirmed that the FBI had confidential human sources at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th here in D.C., sir? Congressman, as we've discussed before, I'm not going to get into where we have or have not used confidential human sources. But what okay, I can we'll tell move you, on. you asked for a definitive We'll move answer. on. It's my time. You said no, you're not going to answer. That's cool. We're watching. Mr. Chairman, may you're, I answer you're, the question? Your moment, your moment will come. This is my time. All right. That was the uh, great... Great Clay Higgins, who's a congressman from Louisiana. I love that exchange, and he's talking to the director of the FBI, Chris Ray. We all know this. We've heard it over and over again, and this uh, denial, constant denials. Clay goes on to say, you know, do you know about these ghost buses, these big buses that came and FBI agents came out dressed like Trump supporters? you know anything about that? And the same uh, obfuscation again from Chris Ray. I wanted to start with that because I've asked Bruce to join me. As you all know, my husband joins me at the end of the shows. He's a former FBI agent, and so especially on a topic like this, he has a lot of knowledge and input, and I love hearing what he has to say. So, Bruce, we just laid out uh, Mike's uh, research on what's happening with these two intelligence agencies, especially your agency, your former agency, the FBI. What are your thoughts about what he we talked about today? Well, first to respond to what I just heard from Christopher Ray, he is a coward. You know, um, he was not being asked anything specific regarding these confidential re- human resources. Uh, were, were they? What were they doing? Where? What were their names? Nothing like that. The simple question is: Were there FBI either informants or personnel and or both at the J six riot? And he will not answer that question. Meanwhile, they're prosecuting people left and right. Some people getting sentences up to twenty years in prison. Uh, and they have no pro- they have no problem uh, going after those people with selective evidence. And anyway, it disgusts me. If I was when I was an FBI agent, if I would have tried to testify the way Christopher Ray did before Congress, I probably would have lost my job because they wouldn't have allowed us to be to lie like that. Yeah, before to, Congress to, to avoid questioning. Well, and also it has to always be said that the Congress is in charge of the FBI. They're over the FBI. Yeah. And so the disrespect is just a jaw dropping. Well, and to so to go to your question, um I find this book fascinating <sighs> because I've never seen or heard someone lay out the evolution of what has happened in a bad way to both the FBI and the CIA the way Big Intel does. Um, the, the way Mike described it, uh, how Obama, you know, anytime Obama did something as president, it was always very calculated. <laughs> and you always wondered, well, why would he pick James Comey, who was quote unquote a Republican, to head the FBI? Well, he laid it out for you. James Comey was not a Republican in ideology. He was a follower of Reinhold Niebuhr, who's really a social justice guy uh, when you read his, his stuff. Then you go to Robert Mueller. Not only did he keep Robert Mueller as the director, but he a- asked for Mueller to be extended. And um, 
I think that was because Mueller knew where all the bodies were for Crossfire Hurricane and for the spying that had been done done on Donald Trump. Um, and I thought it was also interesting the way Mike talked about how the theory of the intelligence agencies over the years, because we always wonder, like, why do we need, like, 17 different agencies? The military, uh, the FBI, the CIA, and all the others, NSA, NRO. Why do we need all these agencies? But it makes sense in that it is good to keep them decentralized because we saw what happened under Donald Trump when these agencies banded together to write that letter that Biden uh, was huffing and puffing about proving his innocence, quote-unquote, and also to see how these agencies banded together through national or, or domestic and international ways to undermine the presidency of Donald Trump. You know, let me insert, Bruce, under normal circumstances. And now that we know that that was an absolute lie, that that laptop was Russian disinformation, and even the left is now admitting that, those guys would have lost their security clearance. The problem is that these uh, retired intelligence officers keep their intelligence clearances, and that gives them power and information that they shouldn't have. But yet, these guys are still heroes, even though they, they lied. They lied. They signed their name to a lie. Yeah, I think that was a total manipulation of those people. And um, there are some valid reasons for having people maintain security clearances after they leave government service, but that is to be a very limited um, use of those. Uh, like if something happens in a, in a country or in a, in a situation where we need a particular person's expertise, they're already cleared to give input. However, they're not to be used as a political pawn to write a letter saying, um, without even having seen the laptop. See, you have to remember this. Those guys that signed those, that letter had not even seen that laptop. They were relying on, I believe Jake Sullivan was the person who was behind that. Jake Sullivan has been with Hillary Clinton and, and the Democrats for years as sort of a fixer. And my understanding is, is it was Jake Sullivan that solicited this uh, this letter. Well, I, I don't doubt that he had a part of that, but I think Anthony, Anthony Blinken. I I'm think sorry. Was what, yeah. I'm sorry. Actually, yeah. it was yeah. Anthony Blinken. But it Jake Sullivan Bl- always has his... Jake Sullivan's always, always there. It, it, it was Anthony Blinken yeah. that went and, and um, solicited these people that were retired to come back, these directors and these uh, other officials, to sign that letter saying that the laptop had every indication of Russian disinformation. And they really parsed the words in that letter uh, to try to relieve themselves of, of outright declaring. But when they signed that letter, they knew the way that letter was going to be framed was, this is proof and that was, the laptop is not And real. it was rushed and pr- presented to the, in the d- yeah. debate, catching Trump off, but it was all designed. You know, one thing I want to point out, Bruce, because... The problem with having these agencies co-opted by communist leftist mindset is that they've taken their eye off the protection of the American people. Like right now, they're so caught up, I'll speak of the FBI, in making sure everyone, uh, as Michael explained to us, everyone has to be LGBTQ plus 
friendly, accepting, or whatever you call that. They are so committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, and critical race theory that white supremacism is the worst threat possible in this country that they have got their their FBI has their eye completely off the real dangers. And I think this is a real slap in the face to so many people that I served with that were people of color, people of um, different uh, ethnicities who did a wonderful job for the FBI. But now those those same, shall we say, types of people are being hired just based on being that type of person and not having the qualifications they're external, not their internal. to, to yeah. do the work yeah. that their predecessors did. And, you know, if you go to the FBI website, which is fbijobs.com, and you look at their hiring, you know, uh, their mission statement and what they're all about, the biggest banner I saw on there was a banner celebrating the 10-year anniversary of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the FBI. You saw a lot of that. Even when you were there, you used to bring home stuff, Bruce, that you saw. You saw it turning that way. You remember that? Uh, it, It'd say, look at this, look at this. It was upsetting to you. Especially when I went to headquarters with about three years to go in my career, I really, really saw a side of the FBI I had never seen before, and I wish I had never seen. Um, it was all about political correctness, um, watching your words. If it, it, There's actually a um, memorandum out to FBI personnel now as to how you will refer to people when you write your reports, their pronouns. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, there is... A, <laughs> so the point is they, can, they can't do all of that and keep their eye on the ball. And it's obviously yeah. they are not with the these... Uh, demonstrations by pro-Hamas supporters in the nation's capital. They're just absent. They're not paying any attention to this. And if you would, if you would ask the, the FBI right now what's their main priority, it would be white supremacy. White supremacy. Now, I can tell you from, from um, experience, when I was assigned in Huntsville, Alabama, we used to go up to Tennessee because that was a big area for KKK. I mean, outright, you know, hood-wearing KKK, they would have... Um, meetings, uh, public meetings, but occasionally out in the streets. And I have to tell you, we'd go up there and surveil them. And while the thought of what they were doing is appalling, the result of what they were doing was minimal. I mean, they were, look, I'm not trying to diminish it, but the, they really were yahoos. Their influence has just and, diminished. And, there aren't that many of them in the country. That's the point. You know, I, I would ask you this question. Do you see places in America where black people are afraid to walk down the street because they are going to be attacked and killed by a white supremacist? I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I'm not. But I will also say I don't think that's the problem with America right now. Yeah, that's not the. It's not like a people that millions coming across the border threatening us, Chinese military age and Islamists and all of that. And it's just turning a blind eye to that. So. We are in trouble, no doubt about it. And I'm glad Mike gave us some hope. You know, there is a thing called Schedule F, and that's one of the things that uh, some of us in D.C. and uh, then President Trump has spoken about it, too. It would allow uh, a new president to dismiss uh, career employees, and that's never been the case. They just sit there and uh, ruminate and rot like fruit, I think, as they sit there, you know, gaining their money, sitting at home during covid for almost three years, not hardly going into work. It's time to clean house 
And uh, if President Trump is elected, I think he'll attempt to do that. And so uh, that's uh, that's our hope for this. Honey, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Uh, I was glad to. It's it's really sad what's happening to our agencies. And I I would hope that we do what Mike talked about to try to fix this. Yep. I do too. Yeah. So, uh, and again, the book is called Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. You can find it at any bookstore. And I want to, as we're saying goodbye here, thank our sponsor, Freeborn, for helping us help babies and save their lives and the moms too. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy to make your most generous donation. Let me just say thank you for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.